Welcome to the Business Law Podcast, the podcast where we demystify the law. Jonathan Fleischer is your host, and in each episode, we will unravel legal complexities and delve into intriguing topics that directly impact your business, from contract essentials to litigation strategies and everything in between. Join us to explore the fascinating intersection of law and entrepreneurship. So tune in for expert insights and captivating discussions that make the legal side of business not just understandable, but actually interesting. Let's dive in. This podcast is not intended as legal advice. Seek legal counsel for all legal issues. Welcome to another episode of the Business Law Podcast. This week, we are going to talk about contracts. Now, there's lots of things to discuss when we're talking about contracts. Uh, Let's try and understand why contracts are important, why you should have contracts for your business, what contracts will accomplish for you, um, and where the pitfalls are. All right, now let's start with the most basic question, which is what is a contract? So I once took a very unscientific poll um, just generally to see what most people think a contract is or what its purpose is, uh, and pretty much no one got it right. So uh, let's try and set the record straight here. Uh, the legal definition of a contract has nothing to do with writing or signatures. A contract in legal parlance means an agreement between two parties that is enforceable by law. What does that mean? So what that means is if me and you are talking and I say, hey, do you want to come over today? And you say, sure, I'll come over. You are not obligated to then come over, right? There was no binding agreement. But there are other kinds of agreements where if I say, do you want to do something? And you say, yes, I want to do that. That will become a binding agreement where there will be legal ramifications to the agreement that we just made. Those kinds of binding agreements is what we're talking about when we say that you have a contract. So technically speaking, a contract does not have anything to do with writing or signatures. It has to do with two people or two parties making an agreement where one party or both parties can enforce the agreement against the other. So let's make this practical. What's a practical example of a contract that is enforceable? So let's say, for instance, I need somebody to paint my house. I go out, I look at all the different painters in the area, I give one of them a call, and I say, hey, I need someone to paint my house. Do you want to come paint my house? You say, sure. You look at the size of my house, what kind of paint I want, and you tell me it'll be $1,500 for me to paint your house. And I say, great, you're hired. I want you to paint my house. Then the next day you say, you know what? Change my mind. I'm lazy. I want to go on vacation. I don't want to paint your house. Technically, are you allowed to just back out and decide not to paint my house? The answer is no. Since we made an agreement, um, there was a binding agreement. We agreed on all the terms that you were going to paint my entire house for $1,500. You are technically bound by the contract Again, a contract does not necessarily have to be written. Um, The fact that we had even a verbal agreement for you to come paint my house, we agreed on the price, that then is a binding contract. You are obligated to come paint my house now. Now, you may be wondering, well, what's the difference? Let's say I say, uh, I'm not going to go paint your house. Is the court now going to force me? Are they going to send down the police to force me and drag me down to your house to paint your house? And the answer is, of course not. 
court is not going to drag someone down to force them to paint your house. We'll get into what the ramifications of such agreements are and when a court may force you to do something. Uh, but generally speaking, the reason why we care about contracts is for damages. So let's say I hire someone, in this case, to paint my house for $1,500. Then the guy changes his mind and says, forget it, I don't want to paint your house. Now I need to go find another painter. And I can't find another painter who's willing to paint my house for $1,500. The cheapest painter I can find now wants $3,000 to paint my house. Since your breach of the contract, your refusal to perform under the contract and paint my house for the $1,500 that you promised is now costing me an extra $1,500 because the new painter is going to cost me $3,000. Technically, I can go sue you for $1,500 because your refusal to perform your obligations under the contract have now cost me an extra $1,500 to go hire somebody else. Now, this may seem silly when we're talking about a painter for uh, $1,500, but what you need to realize is that in a business, this can happen on a much larger scale. This can happen $15,000 or $100,000 or $200,000 or a million dollars. Many of the contract, breach of contract cases that you'll see is where somebody obligated themselves to do a job, then later realized that they weren't making as much money as they thought they were going to make, and so they just pull out of the job. And now the hiring party needs to go hire someone else and has to pay a lot more money for the same job. And now they will have the right to go sue the other person who refused to perform under the contract because of all the extra money that it's going to cost them. And in most instances, it will not even need to be a written contract in order for uh, the non-breaching party to be able to bring a case for damages against the breaching party. Now, let's take this case a little bit further, right? So until now, we're talking about damages for uh, the increased cost of having to hire someone else to paint my house because the next guy is going to cost more to paint my house than the original party that I had the contract with. What happens if there are additional damages? So for instance, let's say I have a large building. Um, I know winter's coming and I need somebody to winterize my sprinkler system, right? And I've got a huge sprinkler, sprinkler system all around my property. Um, I hire somebody to come winterize it because I know it's going to get cold soon. And the sprinkler company uh, says, sure, we'll come down, winterize your system, we'll blow out all the pipes, and uh, it's going to cost you $1,000 for us to do the job. And then the company uh, just doesn't show up. I call them, I say, hey, you guys are supposed to be coming down. When are you coming down? They say, oh, we'll be there next week. They don't show up. Uh, winter comes and my pipes freeze and explode. And now it's going to cost me $10,000 to replace all the pipes. Will the company that I hired to blow out the system be liable to pay for all those damages? And the answer is probably yes. I can certainly file a suit against them, and that would be a breach of contract. Because since they agreed to do a job for me, if they then don't do the job and I suffer damages because of the job that they didn't do, uh, that is another kind of damages for breach of contract that you will be entitled to. All right. So realize that when we talk about an agreement to do something, Again, even though in most instances, I can't force you to do the job, 
if you don't do the job, you will be obligated to pay for any kind of damages that I suffer by your non-fulfillment of your obligation to do the job. So we now have a picture of what it means that you have an obligation to do something when you've signed a contract. Again, it doesn't mean that anyone can force you to do it. What it means is that you're obligated in the sense that if you don't do it, you will be responsible for all of the consequences of your non-performance. Now, are there any cases where we can actually force somebody to perform under a contract? And the answer is there are some cases, okay? And generally speaking, those cases are not going to be for service contracts, right? And by a service contract, what I mean is when you hire someone to do a job where someone has to actually come and take an action or do something for you, that cannot be forced. And the reason that that cannot be forced is because since the invention of the 14th Amendment, of course, any kind of forced labor is completely illegal, um, except for in prisons. Uh, but other than that, forced labor is not allowed. And uh, therefore, you can never force somebody to do a job, even if they agreed to do it, it cannot be forced. So what are the cases that we're talking about where you could possibly uh, sue for performance, which is what is called suing for specific performance, right? Specific performance means you're suing somebody and asking the court to force them to do what they were required to do under the contract. And the answer is that typically when we talk about specific performance, we're talking about a contract for a sale of goods or real property, right? And what that means is if I sign a contract to buy a specific item from you, and then you decide, I don't want to sell you that item for whatever reason, either I just don't want to because I want that item for myself, or I don't want to because I think I can get a better price for this item from somebody else. In cases like that is where there's a possibility for someone to sue for specific performance, meaning that they can sue you and ask the court to rule that you are obligated to sell this item and transfer over title of this item or piece of real property to me. Now let's go through when a court is likely to grant specific performance and when a court is not likely to grant specific performance. Um, so as always, let's start with the most uh, basic case all the way on one end of the spectrum. So let's say I sign a contract with you to buy, uh, to buy a bag of pretzels. Hey, I really want some pretzels. Um, you say, sure, here, I'll sell you this bag of pretzels. It's a big bag of pretzels. I'll sell it to you for a dollar. Um, I say, great, I'll buy it for a dollar. Then you turn around and say, never mind, I don't want to give you this bag of pretzels. I bring you to court and I say, I'm going to stand on ceremony here. This guy agreed to sell me a bag of pretzels. I want my bag of pretzels. A court is not going to enforce that and force him to sell you the bag of pretzels because the court is going to say, just go buy your bag of pretzels somewhere else. This is ridiculous. There's no reason that we need to force him to sell you the bag of pretzels. You can get the same thing somewhere else. If it's going to cost you more somewhere else, you can sue him for damages, but we are not going to force him to sell you this bag of pretzels. And obviously, uh, this situation um, will exist on larger scales as well. So for instance, let's say I want to buy 10 pallets of bags of pretzels, right? So I can be buying $30,000 worth of pretzels, and then the seller doesn't want to sell it to me. 
Again, I will almost certainly be able to sue for damages, but I will not be able to sue for specific performance because a court says, look, you're buying all these pretzels. It's all just about the money, right? You're buying these pretzels so that you can resell them. Go get your pretzels somewhere else, or even if you can't, uh, so you have damages, you can sue for damages, um, but we're not going to force specific performance. So what are the cases where a court may uh, grant specific performance and actually uh, force the sale of an item? And the answer is that courts will typically do that when we're talking about a unique item. So for instance, let's say I go into contract to buy uh, a one-of-a-kind collector's um, antique car that that only one of them exists. I go into contract to buy it. Um, we We sign a contract and uh, then the seller decides, you know what, I don't want to sell this car to you. I changed my mind. I like this car too much. I want to keep it for myself. There's no way that I can get this car from somebody else. Only one of them exists in the world. Even if there was another one that existed somewhere, uh, I have no way to force that person to sell it to me. And so in a case like that, a court may say, there is no other remedy, right? There's no monetary damages. You didn't sign this contract so that you can make money selling the car. There's no way to give damages. Therefore, the only real remedy to enforce this contract and to bind the seller to the contract is by forcing the sale of the car to you. Now, what about in real estate? And that's where this is most common. Um, So suppose I buy a contract to buy a house and now I'm under contract. I want to buy this house. The seller says, you know what, there's somebody else who's willing to pay me a lot more money for this house. It's a very unique house. Um, And so I don't want to sell it to you. I'm just going to breach my contract, go buy a house somewhere else. You can get another house, same size, same basic basic features as this house for the same price. You're not suffering any monetary damages. Uh, And so therefore, um, too bad, I'm not going to sell you the house. A case like that is another case where a court may grant specific performance. It's going to depend on the circumstances again, but uh, that's the kind of case where most typically you'll see people suing for specific performance. And the reason is because generally speaking, houses are by their nature unique, right? A house has a lot of different factors that go into it. It's not just about the size and the layout. Um, There's the area that the house is located in. Uh, every house is, uh, by its nature, unique just based upon uh, the, the the land surrounding the house, the exact way the house is built, possibly even uh, just the way the house is set up. There's many unique factors to every house so that when I, go, when I walk into court and say, I want the court to enforce this contract, it's not just a question of money where I say, well, if I don't get this house, I'm going to have to go pay more money for another house. The issue is that I signed for this house because I like this house and money is not going to be a proper remedy because I want the house, right? So if I like the neighborhood, money is not going to get me the neighborhood that I want. And so in cases like that, a court may grant specific performance. Now, understand that anytime you're asking for specific performance, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's not that easy to convince a court to grant specific performance. But again, the more you can show that there is something unique about the house that you wanted to buy, or there's something unique about the area, and that there aren't other houses in the area that are similarly 
uh, of similar kind of house and you have reason that you want a house in this area, a court is more likely to say, well, just giving monetary damages uh, is not going to make this person whole. It's not going to give them what they bargained for under the contract. In order for them to get the benefit of the contract, we need to give them this house. Uh, and so those are the kinds of cases where a court is more likely to grant specific performance. All right. Now, uh, we'll probably do another episode on different kinds of contracts where they may need to be in writing, what happens when you have contracts where there's ambiguities, where there's um, different terms in the contract that may or may not be enforceable. There's a lot to talk about with contracts. Um, this was just a very, very basic overview of what a contract is. So again, a contract just means an agreement between two parties that is enforceable as a matter of law. There are certain contracts that are only enforceable when they're in writing. Um, we did not discuss those this week. We'll probably do that in another episode. Um, generally speaking, if one party breaches a contract and refuses to perform its requirements under the contract and its duties under the contract, a court is not going to force the person or the party to perform their obligations under the contract. Typically, they will only award monetary damages, which can either include or both include the increased price of finding someone else to do the job and any other damages that the non-breaching party suffered because of the breaching party's failure to perform its job. And sometimes when we have, uh, when we're talking about a contract for the purchase of a specific item or a piece of real estate, a court may enforce a specific performance, may require the item to be sold and transferred to the buyer. And again, typically the only reason a court will do that is where the item that you're looking to buy is unique. And so you cannot be made whole by monetary damages. The only way that you can get the benefit of the contract is by getting the item that you, uh, that you contracted to buy. All right. So those are the basics of contracts. And we will see you again next week for more information on how contracts work, what they can do for your business and what you need to look out for. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Law Podcast, a podcast produced and edited by Elemento Productions. That's E L I M E N O Productions.com.